0: Okay, so over the last few episodes, we've covered various leadership topics, including enlightened leadership and mindful leadership, and we've taken a look at resilience too. And today, continuing the theme, well, sort of, we're diving headfirst into the transformative world of conscious leadership. My guest today is Marika Messager, and we'll hear more about her story shortly, but for me, she embodies the profound metamorphosis that can take place when you understand and switch on a conscious leadership mindset and toolset. Now, her journey from the high-stress world of being a female on the financial trading floor to the enlightened path of conscious leadership that she sets now is going to set a fabulous backdrop for today's conversation. The journey to conscious leadership can only reshape an individual but it can also spark systemic, lasting change within organizations. Imagine, if you will, the ripple effect of leaders who are not only attuned to their own inner compass, but also dedicated to the well-being and growth of their teams. Organizations where values and ethics drive every decision and where lasting, positive impacts on performance and culture are not just the goals, but their everyday reality. So with Marika's help, Together, I hope, we'll delve into the very essence of conscious leadership, what it means for personal transformation, this metamorphosis of organizations, and its enduring impact. And most importantly, we'll explore how conscious leadership isn't just a trend, it's a catalyst for systemic change that has the potential to reshape the way we show up, lead, and run organizations today, making them more compassionate, innovative, and sustainable. Anyway, that's enough from me. Let's get stuck into how this conscious leadership movement can change things for the better, starting from today. Welcome to the show, Marika.
1: Thank you, Andy. I'm very pleased to be with you today.
0: It's lovely, lovely to have you here. We're both sitting here sort of late afternoon after a full day, ready to talk about something like conscious leadership and what better end of the day could there be for us. You have a very interesting background, Marika. Can you do us a favor, before we get started on this topic, just give us a flavor of the journey that you've been on, where where you started, and where this fascination with conscious leadership has come from?
1: Sure. So there are many ways I can talk about my background, but maybe still, (laughs) I'll choose the angle of um, behaviors, right? And um, distorted behaviors or unhealthy behaviors or toxic behaviors. And throughout my life, uh, whether personal and professional, I have had the opportunity, let's put it this way, to be exposed to a lot of distorted behaviors. And um, I have had the necessity to understand them so that I could learn how to function better in my family, in my social environment, and in my career. Mm -hmm. So this started uh, when I was 28. I'm going to turn 48 in a few months, so 20 years ago, Um, when I had a family issue that um, got me sick. And you know, each time I I was having a conversation with my father, I I was actually sick, and I couldn't really understand what was going on. I knew that you know we had a very difficult conversation that had created trauma within me, and I was deeply shocked. But I just didn't have the tools to fight it in the way I used to, which is a very warrior mode of let's get you know let's fix things let's fix things and and let's come to a, re- a resolution so i started working on myself and you can hear with my accent i'm french and no I was, you uh, surprised I was, me very yeah <laughs> i know I, after 16 years in london the accent doesn't go away um <laughs> but you know i was living in paris and you know this was 20 years ago so i would say the you know the most normal thing to do at the time was to do psychotherapy so this is how i started the journey of mine of you know self-growth and and self-development and I started to you know get more familiar with understanding other people's perspective, my perspective, why people were behaving a certain way um, and, and really to understand the patterns that all and that each and every one of us had inherited from our parents, our society, our culture and how those programs were actually shaping our behaviors and this was the beginning of the journey and I was at the time in finance on the trading floor. And obviously I was also exposed there to, you know, some distorted patterns being, being a young woman in that very male world, uh, you know, driven by money and, and loads of ego, um, and, and, and a lot of, you know, performance and, and power games and um, all that stuff, right? So I was, I was already making some links between what I was learning in my own journey, I, you know, healing my, my family issue and what was going on in the business world. And I became passionate around, you know, why is it that we have those behavior? Why is it that we display those behavior? And what is the root cause of them? And most importantly, can we change them? Right. Um, and you know, can I change them inside myself so that I can trigger change in the other? I very quickly, uh, even though I was very resistant to the concept, but I very quickly understood that, you know, you can't change someone else if they don't want to change. Mm. Um, and and so, you know, I, I dove into this reflection on what if I show up differently? And, you know, if I show up differently, is it going to change the the, relation, the relationship then? So the constellation of, of the relationship. And uh, and this is how, you know, everything started. Uh, but it was just a start, you know.
0: But um, oh, what, <laughs> what, what a start. What a start.
1: Exactly. And, and you know, I, I'm somebody who is curious by nature and, you know, who is a learner by nature and explorer. So I really, you know, tried and tried and tried. And, you know, I had some toxic relationships with my parents. I had some toxic relationship with my boyfriends and I couldn't really understand what was going on. I was also, you know, exposed to toxic behaviors in the workplace. And so I really, um, you know, educated myself around all all of those behaviors and and understand where they were coming from. And so, you know, I, I, for myself, I did try a lot of practices and a lot of tools and a lot of methodologies. Um, that got me somewhere, but it was, to be honest, a, a bit more of a self-guided exploration. You know, I would have loved for somebody to be able to give me a proper diagnosis and and more, most importantly, a roadmap for transformation. Um, and in this personal journey, I came across a lot of different disciplines, a lot of different people. At some point, you know, that Kind of steered in me a willingness or there I say a calling to bring about an understanding on why those toxic behaviors are there and how do we heal them. So I explored many areas um, of of self-development but what really uh, gave me the understanding that you know is key to our work today is uh, coming from shamanic inspirations and shamanic uh, lineages where um, they they believe that we have four bodies, a mental body, an emotional body, a physical body, and a spiritual body. And that we need to bring consciousness to all those four bodies within ourselves. And they need to heal and transform together as well as they need to level up together for us to honor our potential and for us to thrive and create success in all dimensions of our lives. And, and based on that understanding, um, you know, I... I of started to look at my self-work with a different lens um, and if I want to bridge that with a professional path you know um, so I I was lucky enough but you know I worked hard for it to you know encounter success quite early on so at 31 I was one of the biggest uh, revenue producer as a sales uh, equi- as an equity sales uh, in finance and you know I I Broke through the, the ceiling of a seven figure, um, compensation at 31, which, you know, was, was a big achievement. And then at 34, I was promoted as head of equities for Europe and Middle East for the, the company I was working for, which was a, a French bank. So I was managing 40 people. Um, most of them were men older than me. So that was, you know, another interesting. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It was an opportunity and a challenge. Um, but I learned a lot about that as well. And it is still, but at the time, it was really a world that was really men dominated I was the only woman on the trading floor who was a manager. And so I could see how men and women relate together. I could see you know, how men relate together. And so I, I also could see what happens when men together make a lot of money, right? Which I now label like the three... Uh, ego traps of success, which is adultery, arrogance, and addiction, but as I was observing that, I have to say you know they were my friends, and you know we were all working really hard together and it's it's a pretty tough job, and you know we were sharing moments together, you know trading floor is a bit of a jungle, you know people have breakfast, lunch, dinner, and it never stops, and some people arrive at six a m and some people stay whole the whole night, so you know it's it's really like um you know, an interesting incubator of, you know, the human population in a way. And I developed a lot of understanding of, you know, men. I developed a lot of understanding of what it means to be a high-flying individual, uh, you know, in that type of environment. And with understanding and perspective comes acceptance and compassion as well. And so I could see that, you know, there was there were some great things about those men and that most of the distorted patterns that they were showing were were coming from some programming and coming from also the fact that they were all doing the same thing and that therefore that same thing was becoming the norm and that therefore the norm was becoming something that could be accepted. And so I could see the influence of of the system on individuals and how, you know, the system shape, shapes individuals and the individuals shapes the system. And that became a big part of, of my work. You know, how, how do we work on behavioral change at the individual level, but also at the collective level? Um, September, 2020, 2012, right? So that's almost uh, more, more than 10 years ago now. My company was going through a big restructuring And um, my boss at the time, who was a a wonderful man, came to see me and he said, Marika, your job is dead at the end of the year because I can't have a head of equities within our company. It's going to be like the the company who's taking over that, you know, will have this role. Um, But, you know, you've done a great job and I think you're fantastic. So we want to keep you. And so he offered me a few possibilities, which one of them was global head of research, which was a great job. But I had already started you know, that work and, and that curiosity around self-development. And I was, to be honest, dying to die- to explore that, but kind of terrified at the idea of leaving that job that I worked so hard to get. Um, but, you know, I took the opportunity and I said, listen, I'm actually going to stop and I'm going to give myself permission to explore this new path of self-development. And, you know, instead of giving me a new job, why don't you give me a nice check and I'll go. <laughs> <laughs> And um, and so I gave myself two years to continue to explore. Uh, My son was uh, five years old at the time. So, you know, it was it was good to have some free time to actually explore those topics and also to train in whatever methodology, uh, you know, I was finding relevant for myself. So I trained as an integral coach for a year, but I also trained as a yoga teacher. I trained as a mindfulness teacher. And then I went to South America and I've been initiated in two lineages of um, Shamanic traditions, one in Brazil and one in Mexico. And I came back from that with, you know, um, the understanding that we needed a, a leadership paradigm that was based on values that were completely different with what I had observed. Because um, what I had observed was, you know, pretty much based on power. So, you know, ego, power struggles, power games, Uh, domination uh sometimes manipulation and most importantly it was denying the potential of the performance of individuals and organizations
0: i mean firstly wow that that's that's a that's a background there's a lot going on there i think what i would really like to do in this conversation marika is maybe unpack some of this stuff so it's clear to me that your background has influenced heavily your focus on this conscious leadership and i'm going to ask you in a sec what what you think that really means and i'm sure it's got something to do with those those four bodies that you that you talked about there but over the course of this conversation i think it'd be very interesting to unpack this in i guess three or four ways if we understand what this conscious leadership is let's dig in a little bit more because of your own experiences the role that self-awareness really plays in in this journey, right, in becoming a conscious leader. And then I'd like to sort of pick up where you've just sort of started to allude here, how that manifests itself in teams. And and actually, we talked about in the, in the introduction here that it can have clearly, if you start getting teams of teams of teams working, that's going to affect an organization, right? So let's try and unpack it yep. in that way. And at the end, I'm sure we'll find that it, can play a role in your personal life too um yeah. so let's just take a pause rewind and go how do you define conscious leadership marika
1: you know the overarching theme for me is really that conscious leadership is a technology to future shape right to future shape yourself your organization the system and ultimately create a better future for all but what does it mean really right conscious leadership is three types of leadership it's self-leadership thought leadership and team leadership Mm -hmm. and it's very important to understand that because for most people when we talk about leadership the only aspect that we think about is team leadership and actually team leadership is probably the last aspect that we you know need to look at when we when we talk about conscious leadership so self-leadership is how to lead the self and quite frankly this is you know, relevant for every individual. You don't need a role, you don't need a title in order to, you know, understand that you need to lead yourself. And so leading yourself is based on self-awareness, right? We need to understand who we are, our patterns, our triggers, our program, so that we have the ability to respond to situations, to challenges and to opportunities rather than react. And I want to go back here a little bit and talk about, you know, toxicity or distorted behaviours. We live in a system that is narcissistic by, you know, its essence. Um, it's based on values of domination, of competition, of separation. And, you know, it's also greatly influenced by, by the patriarchy, which also is based on separation. Um, so that such a system has, you know, influenced all of us. It, as we accept that, we have some toxicity within us. And so the consciousness element and the self-awareness element is to be able to accept and look at our distortion so that we are aware of them. And the leadership element is to lead ourselves out of those toxic behaviors, right? Consciousness or awareness on its own doesn't mean anything if we don't change what is not good, right? What is distorted. Mm-hmm. So, this is the self awareness piece knowing ourselves, knowing who we are, knowing how we function, knowing what we want. And from this bit, you know, we have to deprogram ourselves and reprogram ourselves with healthy behaviors. So, that also is going to involve emotional intelligence, it's going to involve intuitive intelligence, it's going to involve systemic intelligence. So, that's the self leadership pillar. The third leadership pillar is around being a master in whatever field or art or industry that you are specialized in. And as you master something, you become a source of inspiration for others. You can share your knowledge, you can share your wisdom, you can share your teachings, and you can put that at the benefit of a cause, an organization, organization you know, whatever really um, needs to, to or could, could benefit from your thought leadership. And by the way, you know, this also gives you purpose and fulfillment and vision and mission, right? Mm-hmm. Which is what a lot of us, you know, are longing for. There is a, a, a massive, you know, meaningless uh, a crisis of meaning in the world right now and in individuals. And And, you know, the pandemic has amplified that. So we need as individuals to reconnect with our purpose, but we also need organizations that are deeply connected with a vision and a mission and embodying that. Um, and, and, you know, we, we need to see beyond ourselves so that why we do things is actually, um, you know, much more connected to something bigger than us. And then the third pillar is team leadership, which, you know, involves how to work together in order to execute a vision, a mission that obviously is going to involve you know great communication and you know alignment with values but also as a leader and you know as you're managing your team you want to be able to inspire them to be their best selves so you want to you know guide them for their own self leadership so a leader who hasn't done the work on self leadership cannot be a good team manager that's not possible
0: no i just want to sort of say that lovely construct of self-leadership, thought leadership, team leadership, they all involve investment in time and effort, right? All those things which we, which we will pick up on. You did your self-awareness stuff largely yourself. Or do you, you have know, to put I, people kind of getting help on this sort of stuff? Because it's too easy to bail out when it gets tough if you try and do it yourself, no, right?
1: For sure. I, I'm somebody who dares to ask for help as much as I need. And, you know, this has been key in my own transformation and and really an accelerator. Um, I always say, you know, the most intelligent people are the ones who dare to ask for help. Yes, we can do things on our own, but, you know, we go faster and we go better and smoother if we are accompanied by the right people. I have a team of people and I've built a team of people over the years and, you know, they help me with specific things. But, you know, one thing about me is that I'm so strong in my alignment that when I know that something is shaking it a bit, I'm like, okay, what do I need to do with this? And you know, if I need some help, I know the right people to ask and I know what to do about it. Um so yeah, I would I would encourage, you know, some some support there for sure.
0: When you talk about it like you do, the image in my head is one of a Formula 1 pit crew. So <laughs> everybody in that pit crew is there to make the car go faster and keep it on the road. But they've all got specific skills to enable you to do that. And I think your point around having different people around you or different resources around you to kind of fine-tune different things is a point incredibly well made. This is not about every running out and getting one coach to kind of get it all done. This is sort of saying, look, take a good, hard look at yourself. Use some diagnostic tools, whatever whatever it is. And then when you find where you've got, development areas then seek out specialists to kind of help tweak those and refine those the thought leadership i get pursuit of mastery is one of dan pink's uh secrets to motivation right self-motivation that 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 mastery piece yeah. where have you found most benefit in that thought leadership are there any bits of advice you would give to listeners about that pursuit of mastery do you take it on a broad scale have you really honed in have you had a method to that i mean how's that worked for you
1: yeah and it's a very good question because um you know thought leadership is not you don't wake up one day and 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 be like you know this is my purpose (laughs) (laughs) right (laughs) um so and and trust me you know i've worked with clients and and a lot you know i've accompanied 300 leaders over the last 10 years and, and that's always like the question what's my purpose and so it's it's something that is organic the easiest way to understand that you need to work on that because again you know we, as much as we we play with the physical mental emotional bodies and and we don't work on all of them all the time we don't work on self leadership pro leadership team leadership all the time so if you don't know why you're waking up in the morning and you know if you don't know why you're going to work and if you're not stimulated to go to work this this really means that there is some element that needs to be worked on. it means that your why is not strong enough why am I doing this is not strong enough right and so that can come both from you and from your organization and you know everybody is different with that regard some of us are you know meant to be you know proper thought leaders and some of us are meant to be part of uh, something that is you know has a has a wider mission and vision but we are part of this and because we are part of that bigger thing that is you know beyond us we are still thought leaders because we are aligned with the vision and the mission of something else. So my advice would be, um, you know, depending on where you are with that, um, to ask yourself the following questions. What do I stand for? What is it that I cannot tolerate? What is it that, you know, brings me pain and suffering? What is it that feels unfair? in the society in the world in general and how can i relate with that how does it resonate with me and once we start to have answers to those questions we can research you know now knowledge knowledge is a commodity right um but you know for me it started with distorted behaviors because i was desperately looking for ways to you know fix my relationships with the people i love the most so i was determined to find some solutions and so i was You know, speaking with therapists, I was speaking with shamans, I was, you know, doing loads of research and reading books and and you know, what is it? What can I do? And and that become a form of mastery around distorted behaviors and 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 what are healthy behaviors.
0: No surprise. I'm running a podcast based on it, but I'm a massive fan of the whole purpose, vision, and mission and the alignment piece, right? You know, when I run those sorts of sessions for businesses to talk about purpose, I mean that is tough enough with people trying to work out what it is that they want to do but it's Mm. even harder i think which feels almost counterintuitive to really find your own purpose i mean i think that is tiring that is hard that's a lot of questioning and uh, and again needing support to help you kind of peel back the layers of where those answers are coming from until you really get to the source i love the list of questions that you came up with The, the one that i sort of also like which occasionally can get me into trouble is asking people to think about what does the world lose if if you're not there when you think about the purpose and you think about what you bring. I think that's a really yeah. interesting kind of question to sort of get into yeah. not to make people feel terrible about themselves, but to think about the real things that they bring and what wouldn't be around if that, if that was left.
1: I, I'm just going to share an example because, you know, I think your, your point is a very good one. And, um, you know, I, you know, a lot of my work is actually to to connect people with their purpose. But it's always that you know, what do I bring, and what, what have I been through? What are mm-hmm. the experiences that I've been through that can serve other people? And you know, I work a lot with I work with men and women. But you know, for a lot of women who are you know in in high position in the corporate world, I mean. You know, to be a C level these days as a woman, you have been through a lot, right? Yep. You have yep. been through a lot, and and so for a lot of them, is what is it that you can share? What is it that you can teach for you know people to actually go through the same journey in a smoother way? And how is it that you can use what you've learned to create change within organizations and change in the system? So you know, it's it, that element of what is it that I bring is is crucial. And and that's interesting because we always have to link it with self leadership because a lot of the answers I get and especially from women is like, but I don't have anything to bring. You know, <laughs> it's like that that bit, that bit of self esteem and and good enoughness always you know comes comes about especially with women because again that's the program that we've received. Um, so that's why you know we have to work on all of these right in order to to be a thought leader you have to lead yourself.
0: I think so. I think you know you mentioned. The sort those male distortions of uh, of adultery, addiction, and arrogance. I think the.
1: It happens the, to women as well. I'm like, sure, don't get me I'm sure, wrong. <laughs> sure. But if
0: I say that, I get, I'll get i get into major trouble, right? Yeah, <laughs> it's true. Just at least with my wife. <laughs> I can wife, say it. I can. Right? <laughs> but <Yeah>. but <laughs> I think it's it's so interesting that you talk about the difficulty people say, and particularly women are saying about, war I don't bring anything, because that's the opposite of the arrogance, right? That is a complete lack of almost self-confidence and this ridiculous kind of societal learning of if you say you're good at something, you're bragging. And yeah. bragging is a bad thing. And there's a big difference between actually being confident to say, hey, I'm actually really good at this and I can help and I add value in this in this place, as opposed to saying, I am the boss of this, get out of my way, let me do it, right? Massive, massive flip that needs to happen in people's kind of understanding of those two things.
1: Yeah and, and you know to your point i always talk about i often talk about the difference between modesty and humility. Yeah. And you know modesty is actually most it's a, it's an ego response right it's it's like oh i'm modest but actually what i'm uh, what i'm really not doing is taking my space and you know bringing my value to the world. Uh whereas humility is completely different you know humility is knowing your worth. But showing up and sharing it in a way that is, you know, elegant and graceful, and and not in your face.
0: I love that. I'm I'm going to use that more often. It's a far better vocabulary <laughs> than I. But the modesty versus humility makes a lot of sense to me. And then, if we take this forward into the third place of team leadership, organisational leadership, what have you seen as the impact of this? whole self this this conscious leadership when it comes to really leading teams with purpose and actually the systematic change that can make to organizations because i know you're massively into the whole systemic change piece so so what have you seen and are there any stories examples you can sort of tell of some of those transformational pieces
1: of course um (laughs) Well, first, I would like to, you know, paint the picture of what happens when it's not there, right? So when we have an unconscious leadership or an unconscious culture, you know, most of the time we're going to have a culture in an organization where people are not taking responsibility for their mistake. Uh, So there is a culture of hiding. There is potentially a culture of denying, a culture of lying, a culture of manipulation, what does it mean? it means that there is no safety there is no psychological safety in the culture of the organizations, so people are not able to show authentically and people are not able to be vulnerable so what does it look like? It means that in terms of performance, well you know if we're hiding and if we're not taking responsibility I mean it takes forever to correct a mistake and it takes even more long a more long longer time to actually you know. Put the systems and processes and practices that are required in order to avoid those errors in the future. You know, I always say there is, for me, there is no 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 such thing as human error. It's a system problem, right? It's mm. a process problem. Mm-hmm. Now, if we have a good process in place and and somebody is not following the process, that's a an, that's another story, right? Um, but at least we know what's wrong. Um, so you know, there there is a lack of performance within the organization. Also, there is a lack of, um, joy. There is a lack of fulfillment because you can't really be your authentic self. You're always on guard in a way because you know that people are not being honest. Um, you know that potentially, you know, you can be blamed for something that you haven't done because people are trying to put the blame and the shame on others. Um, so that creates a culture where, um, you know, there is, um, a lack of celebration of the successes, there is some emphasis on the mistakes, um, you know, there is um a lack of engagement, there is um, you know, it's hard to retain talents, uh, and most importantly, there is no greater alignment mm. with the vision because mm. the vision is not embodied in the organization. So those are the the pain points, right? And I think these days, you know. I mean, with the organizations that, you know, we, we talk to there, I mean, people problems are everywhere, you know, when it comes to attracting talent, retaining talent, diversity, equity and inclusion, which, you know, if it's done wrong, it's dangerous. Um, we have, you know, a massive, um, uh, change of, of, you know, the, the tech, uh, element. I mean, every organization has a tech project, which means that, you know, it's more pressure. It's requiring some reskilling, some upskilling. Um, you know, every organization is considering like ESG and CSR, but not really knowing how to implement that. So, you know, that there is a, there is a massive opportunity there because to be honest, if we look at businesses for the last centuries, what have we done? We've tried to increase revenue by gaining market share and we've tried to increase profit by reducing costs. I think that, you know, it's fair to say that we've kind of mastered this art. What we haven't looked at is people. And people is is a massive leverage because if you are in a culture where people are engaged, are committed, are aligned with the vision, I mean, the performance, the culture is going to create so much more success, you know, in terms of profit, but also in terms of fulfillment. And there is actually some data. You know, there is some data, I mean, plenty of data these days, which is great. But, you know, one of them is that um, ego, Right. So what I described as hiding and all of that is costing between six and twelve percent of your revenue. And it's the hidden line in the profit and loss.
0: Wow.
1: Right? So in terms of examples, you know, I, I mean I have plenty, but um one I can share is um a, an organization I worked with where there was you know a toxic culture, um where every conversation was turning into a fight. Um, and turning into, I mean, when I say a fighter, I don't mean like a, you know, a physical fight, but, you know, it was just like, you know, one person sharing their own perspective and talking over the other one. And, and they were just going all going into defensive mode, which means that there is no creation. There is no innovation. There is no collaboration. Right. Yeah. And and that is costing because, you know, the, the purpose of a company, of an organization is to collaborate and co-create and innovate. Um, and so, you know, we, we work with um, the whole leadership team and, and then, you know, the whole kind of uh, all the employees within the organization, actually, uh, to transform that culture and to actually show what are healthy behaviors and to give them the same language so that they could address uh, unhealthy behaviors together, that they could recognize them, discern them, accept them and shift them. Um, And that has been massive because, you know, I I mean, I still remember one of the employees in that organization who um, actually was the receptionist. And he came to see me and he said, you know, I mean, I can see the consequences of this work in each and every individual within the organization. Like they are different people. Uh, And the way we work and the way we communicate has improved, you know, drastically. So. And of course, when, when we do this work, you know, I'm always very careful um, to bridge everything because there is self-development, but how does this translate into business practices? Right? So we're always very um, careful to actually um, bring about new agreements of collaboration and new code of, eth- of ethics and new rules of engagement uh, that are very tangible. So that you know there is a roadmap and there are some tools in order to you know change what is not working.
0: I mean, behavioral change is so tough, and I I, I think one of the or a couple of the most important points that I pick out from you saying is 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 firstly recognizing and calling out those behaviors because often we assume that people can see what we can see and feel what we can feel. That is not the case. That that most people make the wrong assumptions or un- uninformed assumptions about why certain behaviour is taking place. And other people are p- completely unaware of the effect of their behaviour. They just they just don't see it. So I think that uh, recognition of those things is incredibly important. And then I think both the positive and perhaps negative consequences that are attached to poor behaviour once you've reset the boundaries, once you've reset what is acceptable, uh, might in my experience, the, the businesses that have made the biggest transition aren't the ones who do the happy stuff and you know, congratulate and catch all the lovely behaviors that's easy to do it's the businesses that do that but also are very very clear in nipping the poor behaviors that still exist in the bud and calling it out and helping someone recognize and make make that change and I think yeah. I, that's what I, I that's what I'm picking up from you You're in the same place with those two those two points? <laughs>
1: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, um, I think about one organization I've worked with where there was actually an awareness, a very clear awareness that there was some unhealthy behaviors, but nobody was talking about them. You know, it's like mm. it was not mm. out in the open. It was like the elephant in the room. And so everybody was trying to work around them. But that was create, creating even more distortion. And, you know, I showed up and I, you know, me being me, I just said, hey, <laughs> this is distorted. And and just the fact that, you know, I, I voiced it, you know, it's just the energy in the room. It was it just felt like a massive relief and release because it was being said. And once it's being said, we can work with it.
0: 100%. I'm a big fan of the iceberg model. And uh, the more you can lower that water level, the more you can see, the more you can fix. And I, I think that is yeah. wholeheartedly true. Unbelievably, we are kind of coming to the end of the show already, Marika. And I want to ask you two more things. Firstly, we've been talking quite a lot about personal development, but also the effect on teams and organisations. There's clearly a personal benefit in your own life uh, into sort of like bringing this awareness. and And how would you summarise the effects that you've felt and that you've witnessed through all the work that you've done on people's personal lives?
1: Yeah, that's what I call the butterfly effect, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and, and, you know, that's also why, as an organization, if you support your employees to grow, I mean, their their loyalty and their engagement and their commitments is just going to amplify massively, because thanks to working in your organization, they will actually learn healthy behaviors. They will learn about themselves and therefore that's going to translate into their lives. You know, if you learn healthy ways to communicate, you're gonna use them in, you know, with your spouse, in your social circle. And, you know, if you if you develop more emotional intelligence, you are going to be able to come back to your center. And therefore, you are going to feel much more at peace within yourself, no matter the situation. It doesn't need to be at work. Right. Um, And also, if you are connected with the vision and the mission of your company and, you know, if you are uh, proud and and motivated to go to work, your levels of fulfillment and joy are going to be amplified again. So you're just going to be a happier person within yourself and a happier person to be around. So you know, I it's I've seen. I mean, there is no exception. Let's put it this way, right? I haven't seen anyone who has been wanting to dive into that work for you know their career and their organization, who hasn't been massively, dare I say, shocked by how it has changed their lives in general.
0: I think that's a fabulous summary, and that word "shocked" is so apt. Because I think when, you, when you're when you lucky enough to do some of the stuff that that, that, that we do and go into, into organizations and talk to people, sometimes it is the simplest of concepts that people have never given any real thought to or never had the opportunity to talk it out with colleagues and, and really think about these things on a slightly deeper level. They are shocked at the effect that those things can have. So I'm 100% with you.
1: The importance of this work as well is to create meaningful relationships and authentic connections. Um, And, you know, as you get to know yourself better, you're also able to share yourself in a more authentic way and, you know, in a more profound way. And therefore, you're able to connect with your colleagues as well as with your friends and, you know, your family in a much more profound way. And, you know, I've seen, you know, team dynamics where... People had been working together for ten years, and you know, we we go in and we start to implement this work, and and suddenly they they look at you know, their, their, the the person next to them with completely new eyes, and you know, much more, you know, I, there I say again, love, you know, and and compassion and understanding and and connection, and uh, you know, this has been beautiful to observe, and and again, you know, that that has massive ripple effects in terms of. How do we work together as a team and how do we collaborate and how do we execute and perform better?
0: I totally agree and I think the fascinating bit about what you've just said is that some for some reason we are scared of using these words like love and compassion and uh, and other such words when it comes to the world of business and work which I think is just madness and this is one of the reasons why people sometimes don't connect with the t- topics that we're talking about today because they think it's some sort of like soft stuff and it really isn't because these are human emotions the world is about making connections with humans why shouldn't business be the same same thing so listen 100% with you i, I th- those words for me should be coming more into the lexicon of business every, every day
1: yeah uh, i mean having said that this morning i was on a conversation with someone who, who asked me do you use the word love in business and i was like Not so much, but, you know, it's like, let's bring it down a level. You know, what does it mean? It's about trust. You know, it's about safety. It's about, uh, you know, acceptance. So, you know, I think I agree. I mean, I would love to bring love into the language of of organization. And I think we're getting there. But at the same time, you know, I think our role is to bridge it nicely and smoothly.
0: (laughs) Yeah, there are levels. But if I can help male people love what they do, and be happy enough to say that they love what they do, I'm in a yeah. good place. Um, yeah, Marika, we've come to this bit in the show where I ask you to try and summarize and leave us with three bits of wisdom that you could fit on three little sticky notes. So if we think about the journey that you've talked about today, if you were to leave behind three little bits of sticky information, three bits of sticky wisdom on the topic of really getting to grips with being a more conscious leader, what would those three bits of advice be?
1: Yeah, i guess the first one would be um success is an inside job so you know there is never a good time to start your self work um but the the best time is now <laughs> right um all our clients always say i wish i had done this sooner so you know just start uh, start where you are and start with what you can um i would say that's the first one um the second one is uh around you know those unhealthy behaviors and um, you know, dare to take a deep look at yourself. And what is what is it that's never working that you keep doing the same way over and over again and it's not working? And you know, dare to do different, dare to question why you're doing this. Um and and dare to embrace uh being healthy in your behaviors. Um that's the second one. And then the third one, um, when this we're all in this together right so there is no judging there is no shaming it's not about you know being better than the other it's really about all of us evolving together and supporting one another in in that journey so that you know ultimately we can create something better for everyone
0: three cracking sticky notes there marika thank you for those <laughs> and thank you for joining me today i think uh unpacking this whole thing around conscious leadership and thinking about Um, self-leadership that thought leadership and the team and organizational leadership been a wonderful way to kind of like really capture the essence of what you were talking about thanks so much for joining me today before i let you go where can people find out a little bit more about you and the whole conscious leadership movement
1: yeah thank you andy um so you can find a lot about us on our website consciousleadership.org there are plenty of free resources there. You know, there is, you know, some some uh, free masterclass, free meditations. We send a digest every month with, you know, practical advice and, and valuable content. Uh, you can contact us through the website as well. Um, and then, um, you know, we're very present on LinkedIn and Instagram. And here as well, we share some valuable content. So, you know, very pleased to connect with all of you. Again, you know, this is... This is also a movement and a community and, you know, we have to um, come together as conscious leaders so that actually we can work together and show different ways of working together and being together.
0: Wonderful stuff. Thank you so much for joining me today. I've really enjoyed our conversation and I look forward to seeing what happens in the future. You take care, Marika. Thank you very much.
1: Thank you, Andy. Have a lovely day and it was a pleasure to have the conversation with you.
0: Yeah, me too. Okay, everyone, that was Marika Messager. And if you'd like to find out a bit more about her or any of the topics we've talked about today, please check out the show notes. So that concludes today's episode. I hope you've enjoyed it, found it interesting, and heard something maybe that will help you become a stickier, more successful business from the inside going forward. If you have Please like, comment and subscribe, it really helps. I'm Andy Gorham and you've been listening to the Sticky from the Inside podcast. Until next time, thanks for listening.